0: It's no secret that I find making these podcasts very enjoyable. You know, they give me a, a lot of pleasure. In the same, you know, before these podcasts, I used to write a lot, and I haven't been writing since I discovered podcasting. Uh, my writing um, is nowhere near uh, as good as my podcast for getting my ideas across, Uh, which is a worry if you think these podcasts are crap. (laughs) Can you imagine how crap my writing must be? But um, but I I like podcasts because I can speak with the expression and I can use voices, which I'm doing right now, that I would not use in ordinary day-to-day conversation. Now... I'm still using a real voice of mine. In fact, this is probably, um, this is now a very real voice of mine that I'm speaking with here on this podcast. It's one I've developed over a long period of time. It didn't start off quite like this, but I've evolved into it. it. It would be a fake voice if I used the voice that I use when I'm speaking to people. If I used that on this podcast, I'd be faking it, you know, Uh, because when you're talking to yourself like a madman, the tone of your voice is different. You know, you develop a whole different way of speaking and it's a different accent. It's a different everything. And you you, you need to really talk to yourself for hour upon hour upon hour. Um, For a long period of time. And I've been doing that for about a year and a half now. um, Before your talking to yourself voice starts to um, bed itself in. And it's a real voice. Like people who know me who uh, might listen to this podcast. Very few people because, you know, occasionally I throw an episode to a few people. Who I yeah you know, I, I think might find this episode or that episode interesting, but I, there's no one to whom I've thrown uh, more than say five or six or seven or eight episodes, save my goddaughter, who also makes podcasts now and who's my sort of chat partner anyway, but. Other than those people, you know, I'll do 50 episodes before I, uh, I make one and I sort of think, oh, you know, my brother will like that one. That's funny, you know, for him. You know. It might, might be about the footy, you know, or something like that. And I'll throw it over to him, you know. But um, but when they listen to this podcast, people who I speak to with my normal speaking voice, which I can't do on this podcast, I can't do it. Because it would sound too fake, the way I speak in normal Conversation, if I made that, if I use that sort of speaking voice here on this podcast, um, it's similar, you know, you can still tell it's me, but when I'm chatting to people, it's, it's, I can't even do it. I could try and do it now, but it would sound too fake, you know, I'd be putting it on. So that's a fake voice, the one I use in day to day ordinary conversation um, out there and about. Um, and this one I'm speaking here, right now, by myself, in my car, driving along in the rain, in the middle of the night, um, is my real voice, you know, so which one's the real, you know, which one's me being the real me? Well, yeah, this is roughly what this episode's going to be, who is the real me, and all that sort of stuff, what is the real anything, you know, um, it's, um, and, 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 and now I get to it. What I wanted to talk about in this episode, and and that is what is real. You know. Now that sounds like boring in a philosophical way, which it is. But I enjoy it anyway. And um, I thought I'd chat about that in this episode um, because I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but but th- that was a good little example. I didn't actually plan that, but um, you know. Um, what, is, what is my real speaking voice? Well, I've got different speaking voices for different situations, you know. And you have to, you have to have. Like I, there's no way if you, if I told you to speak to yourself in solitary confinement for a year, and you did, it wouldn't sound, you wouldn't sound the same after about a month as you do in ordinary. Everyday life, you know, you'd start develop a different, developing a different voice. So you know, uh, which one is real? Um, now I want to expand that idea because I was, I was, um, because I've t- you know, uh, I know I know all the um, well, not all of them, but I know. A lot of the way philosophers talk about what is reality and what isn't, and all that sort of stuff. But it actually is really fascinating to me, you know, what is reality and what isn't. You know, are your memories more real than a brick that you trip over? You know, and things like that. Is your love for your mother more real than that same brick? You know, is love real? And all that sort of stuff. Is God real for you? And all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? Is God re- more real than um, this illusion of this, you know, this world all around you? All the buildings and the cars and the rain and all that sort of stuff. You know, is, is, um, is God more real than all of that for you? You know, is this just an illusion, you know? And even if you're a... Um, a bit of a uh, philosopher or whatever, and, you know, you, you are able... And, I, you know, I'm not a great philosopher at all, but... And you're able to um, sort of look around and say, this could all be an illusion. But the fact that I'm thinking about all this stuff around me, the act of me thinking, you know, the old Descartes thing, you know, the act of me thinking is real at least. You know, even if someone's putting those thoughts into my head, even if I'm some sort of, sort of robot you know, the fact that I'm thinking about these things, you know, the fact that I'm actually thinking is real, you know, even if I'm a puppet of some sort, of some, you know, wicked demon, you know, or God, or whatever, you know, um, my, the fact that I'm thinking about the fact that the car in front of me just moved so I'll press the accelerator which might be an illusion you know the fact that I'm in this car might be an illusion look I'm still going to drive carefully um, because it's $700 I think of uh, illusory (laughs) money (laughs) I don't want to lose the illusion of how much money I've got (laughs) on um you know insurance <laughs> um, now um now all, all right, so everything's- everything could be an illusion, what's real and what's not, and all that sort of stuff, you know, love is real, you know now, I like that sort of thought though of what is real and what isn't i i'm i I enjoy it's not about what is and what isn't and You know what philosophical angle is this, and you know I'm I'm, I'm up to that. I'm I'm at that stage where I sort of think, what do I enjoy thinking? You know, and I kind of enjoy thinking that everything's real. You know, the brick and my memories and everything. You know, why would I? um, Why would I cut anything out? You know. I like the idea of um, that car in front of me being real and uh, this car that I'm in being real, such that if I took off before that car in front of me took off, I'd smack into it, you know? I like that sort of... I I like sensing that that is real. and And I like the thought that, you know, see, the love I have for myself... Is very real. <laughs> Who do you love most of all, Charlie? Well, me. <laughs> Rowan Atkinson. Um. Okay. Still me. <laughs> um. So reality. Now, where this um starts to gather pace for me is in, in moments like I had the other the other morning. I think it was when I was lying in bed, you know, having my imagination time. Uh, my mother always told me to lie in bed for a bit after as i was waking up and have some imagination time just sit there and just imagine you know in between dreams and being awake she said sit there and just imagine stuff you know that's um she's big on imagination time my mother and uh, she tells all the grandchildren that too you know Imagination time, she says. Um, okay, and I have my imagination time, and um, in my imagination time, I let my mind wander to some memories that I had. Now, the, the actual what those actual memories were or are is. Or are not relevant to this episode, you know, like, if, just think of some of your own, your own memories, you know, it doesn't matter what my memories are, but my mind wandered back to a few memories that I could remember, <laughs> and, um, and they were very very pleasurable memories, I could have easily picked a few memories that were horrendous. No doubt about it, but just on this particular occasion, um, I I, I decided to just remember some of the nice things I could remember. Um, Because um, when I think of some of the horrible things that I can remember, um, my blood runs cold, and I'm thinking about one of those now. You don't want to remember those things. In fact, now I'm thinking of another one. And then you can think of yet another one, you know. Um, In fact, I'm thinking of quite a few now. Um, they all rush in, and your blood runs cold. Those things are very real too. Those things that you can uh, remember, the things that are horrendous, you know, uh, just the sheer tragedy that I think just about every human has in his or her memories um, is enough to make your blood run cold. And I haven't even had the worst, but I've had some bad ones, but. And one, I've, I, there's one in particular that I'm thinking about um, that makes my blood run incredibly cold. And, and and that memory may be as horrendous as a memory can be, which is interesting. You know, there was someone dying once, and, um, and then that person died. And I was listening to p- the conversation going around that person. Um, and I didn't think anything of it at the time. And um and and then later it occurred to me and it actually didn't occur to me at the time and I, I did you know, it didn't bother me so much for me because I was saying wonderful things to that person in my way of saying goodbye and all that sort of stuff. But I heard some of the other chat that's, that was going around that person. You know, and this is the most defining moment. In that person's life, you know, just when that person's dying, and um, and people were just talking about sort of humdrum stuff, you know. I might go and get a coffee, you know, blah blah blah, and all that sort of stuff. And I was thinking, and and there were a couple of other things that were said, and then my blood run ran cold about an hour later because I was sitting there thinking, and I said, like, oh my god! And I think it was actually more like even the next that night or the next day or something like that and and it suddenly hit me really hard and I thought hang on that person wasn't dead yet that person might well have been listening to everything that was going on and that person was in the most sublime moment of his or her life and um and here's people talking about humdrum stuff and almost, um, you know, you know, this was the most profound moment in this person's life, and here's people just talking anyway, what are you doing tomorrow? You know, that sort of stuff. And this person was sort of thinking, ah, you know, well, now if that person was still, because apparently if you're dying, um, you know, let's say this person was in a coma of some sort or whatever, um, when you're dying... Um, I've heard that, uh, is it true that your hearing and your, uh, your deepest thinking and all that sort of, your ability to think and all that sort of stuff might be something that goes last, you know, you lose your ability to move your facial features and, you know, to be awake per se, you know, to move anything, you know, you're, you're paralyzed, so to speak you know, your body is finished, but the last thing to go might be your brain, you know, and you're still hearing stuff, you know, I sort of think, what is this person still hearing things, and they're sort of thinking, hey guys, oh, wow, am I dying, you know, and all this sort of stuff, you know, so I was in one of those moments, and I know people get into very profound moments in their lives, you know, like, um, you know, the sorts of things that end up movies, you know, uh, some great general or something, you know, you know, um, I was thinking Napoleon, but he didn't have one of these wonderful endings. Um, yeah. You know, um, one springs to mind was uh, an Ethiopian um, um, emperor, you know, who was the last man standing uh, just before the British army was swarming his compound and about to capture him, and he put a gun to his head and shot himself. And I'm thinking, um, you know, and he shot himself, and he didn't die immediately. And, and you're sort of thinking, oh, this guy, you know, you're thinking, I was an emperor of the whole, of, you know, a whole land or something like that, and here am I dying. And the British soldiers were probably talking, you know, he was listening to them all talking, and he's saying, wow, I'm dying. And, you know, like, it could be a very profound moment, you know. So and that's much more impressive, that one, because he was an emperor. And, and he shot himself with a gun the Queen Victoria gave him you know he was on the big stage you know but just in a humble hospital or something you know when a loved one is dying that's pro- just as profound i suppose uh you know we're all fairly equal once as we're going and all that sort of stuff um and and as that person's having that final thought before that one that person dies and who knows what happens after that you know maybe Maybe um, that person explodes into a whole new universe, you know, and that's heaven, or something, or something like that. You know, it doesn't really matter. But the point is, that per- now that thought, you know, the body's finished, you know, um, the body's not moving anymore, and all that sort of stuff. But that last thought that that person is having, um, that did manifest itself somehow. No one else heard it, you know, uh, because the person wasn't able to express it. But it was had, you know, that thought, you know, maybe it didn't happen in the, in the case of this person I'm talking about, this thought, maybe it didn't happen, you know, maybe that person I'm talking about was very dead, brain dead, even, and didn't hear a thing, and didn't have any final thoughts, when I thought that person might be having final thoughts, my blood ran cold, (laughs) um, just on the, on the possibility that that person, you know, it was listening to everything, and as that person was dying, was saying, "Would someone talk to me? You know, uh, I'm still alive. Am I really dying? You know, they, they, would someone comfort me? You know, a little bit like Jesus or whatever. Peter, you know, Paul. Oh no, Paul, he wasn't there. But you know what I'm talking about. Um, now, hang on. Let me let me just get into this for a minute. Um, a brick that's lying on the road. And um you're walking along the road and you trip on it that brick is yeah i like, I enjoy thinking about that um I've arrived at my destination by the way i i enjoy thinking about that um brick as being real you know I like the idea of that brick being what I call real, you know um but in my lucid moments, I sort of Rationalised to myself, wow, that brick got there by magic, you know, as we define magic, you know, the Big Bang ages ago, we don't know the mechanism of the Big Bang, so for our human purposes, everything in the universe arrived here by magic, you know, because we don't know the mechanisms, the physics, we don't know, there, m- there might be some physics that gave rise to everything in this universe, and what I mean by that, space, matter, you know, time, Um, Dimensions and all that sort of thing. Um, But we don't know the mechanism via which it got here. You know, we don't know what triggered the Big Bang. And and it doesn't matter even if you believe in the Big Bang, it doesn't matter. By by some magic means, everything that feels so solid to me as I tap my steering wheel and all that feels so solid. um, It's it's rather a poignant thing, you know, Um, just being alive and all that sort of stuff and, you know, knowing that you're not going to be at some stage. I like that thought too. You know, that's a thought that I sometimes think, um, you know, sometimes I look at everything, wow, you know, this is the last time I'll ever look at this stuff. Well, it's not, see, I'll be doing it for a little while yet because I'm not going to die in the next five minutes. But, you know, pretty soon, all this stuff that I'm looking at, you know, all this wonderful perspective, you know, I'm looking at about a thousand things right now, trees and buildings and cars and rain and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, wow, there's so much um, detail that I'm looking at here, street numbers, you know, on the fences and all that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, raindrops glistening on the road over there, and all that sort of stuff. You know, um, and uh, and it's a bit poignant, really, um, because I think, wow, soon I won't be thinking all those sorts of things. I'll be dead, you know, um. I'll get to that in a minute because sometimes I feel dead already, um, but at the same time I feel alive forever because I've been alive. Yeah, I'll get back to that, you know. But all, this is a very vague sort of episode, almost hippie-like. This episode, um, what is real? Um, but that person that was dying, you know, if not that person, then some person who is dying, who is having a last thought. As that person is dying, um, that last thought that that person is having, whatever it is, you know, let's say that person just has a thought, and that thought is something like, "Wow, am I really dying?" You know, and and that person's probably dying to ask everybody in the room they can, you know, someone in the room saying, "Oh, you know." Is, it, is this guy going to die already, you know, I've got to get back to work, yeah, <laughs> yeah? well, imagine if that was the last thing you heard, <laughs> you know, um, but, um, yeah, you're lying there and you're dying, but you're not quite sure you're dying, because it's pretty weird, you know, like I've I've been in, um, you know, I've, I've sometimes I faint, you know, I don't, I, I get teased for it, I've got a very, I've got very low blood pressure, always have had, you know, I once went for um, Air Force Academy when I was sixteen, and they um, tested me, and they said, "Wow, you've got low blood pressure," and, I, and I've had it, ever, and I've had doctors say that ever since on the few occasions that I've been had my blood taken. Um, and I faint sometimes, and there's this funny little moment just before you faint, and I, I, quite, I quite like that too. Um, look, put it this way: um, I faint when um, when I bang my leg hard or something. You know, like run into something. Like I was running through a room on one occasion at my brother's place, you know. And there was a a low bench in the middle of the room. It was pitch black and I was running for the door because I had to make it, and it was dark, and I had to make it to um, pick up my daughter from a, now this was at six o'clock, I recall. Does it get dark at six? You know? But I remember it was dark because I didn't see the thing. I don't know if the curtains were down. But anyway, I didn't see this um, low-lying bench. And um, I banged my leg so hard because I didn't even slow down, you know? (laughs) I hit that thing. and, um, And I went, oh, God. And I knew instantly that in about probably 20 seconds I was going to faint. Anyway... So I kept hurtling outside, even though the pain, you know, with the pain and all that sort of stuff. And my brother, one of my brothers was outside and I said, Pete, jump in the driver's seat of my car. I'll jump in the passenger seat. Go to the, you know, Forever Friends, which was the, um, my daughter's, um, uh, the, the sort of kindergarten type thing. And, um, but I'm going to faint you know, I had time to say that, like, it might, it might have been 10 seconds, you know, and, and then I jumped in the passenger seat of my car, and my brother jumped in the driver's seat, and then I fainted, as I was sitting there in the chair, now, that's, an, now, I could feel the feeling coming on, you know, and it was a great feeling, like, it's not a, it's not an unpleasurable feeling, I quite like it, you know the feeling of fainting. It's, well, it's exactly like when you get an anaesthetic, you know. And I get—I can give myself an anaesthetic. All I have to do is get a hammer and bang myself on the leg or the arm or something. And just the sheer pain, I don't know what it does, but it drives blood out of my head and I faint. I like it, you yeah? Um, I'm able to do that because I've got very low blood pressure. <laughs> um, which is standing me in good stead in life, by the way. Because I don't think I'll ever die of high blood pressure, you yeah. know. Um, Low blood pressure is supposed to be pretty bad too, but you know, I seem to be going all right. Um, I've got a few of those lucky things. I, I was long sighted as a child, and I had to have glasses when I was four until I was about nine or something or ten. And now I'm fifty seven, <laughs> and it looks like I'm never going to go short sighted, you know, because I still don't. I don't wear glasses now, and everyone else around me. I've I've, I've got my revenge now. I can call them all four eyes. <laughs> I've got just pretty much, well, no problem with my sight whatsoever, you know. But blood pressure, yeah, low blood pressure, long-sighted. I recommend it, you know, because you get your own, you know, you end up winning. <laughs> By the time you get to 57 or 58, 59, 60 or whatever, I'll probably go right through to 90 and I won't need glasses and I'll never die of high blood pressure. I won't have hypertension. Now, um, but that aside, it does cause you to faint occasionally. Now, um... It is a pretty interesting feeling. You know, kind of um, woozy or, you know. Well, it's that feeling. If you've ever had an anaesthetic, it's quite fun. Ten, nine... Oh, <laughs> didn't last very long. Anyway, um, maybe dying's a bit like that, you know. And um, you're having your last thought, you know. Imagine, well, I'd be that boring. If I was dying and I had four more seconds to think of something, you know, you'd think that you would think something quite profound, you know, uh, dear devil, uh, I don't renounce you, <laughs> just in case, <laughs> I don't want to be making enemies, who said that, was that Oscar Wilde, <laughs> you know, but, um, this is not the time to be making enemies, uh, no, that was Voltaire, wasn't it, <laughs> I think, um, Oscar Wilde said something about the wallpaper, um, I like Voltaire's better. This is not the time to be making enemies. Do you renounce the devil, <laughs> Voltaire? Oh, well, I hardly think this is the time to be making enemies, you know. But what I you know, what I would probably do with my last four seconds is go ten, nine. And then something you know, a voice would go, Are you actually using your last four seconds to count? <laughs> backwards. Oh yeah, yeah, I could be using this time more wisely, couldn't I? <laughs> um time sort of stretches out as you're dying, so, you know, four seconds can last a long time, and you can have all these thoughts as you're dying, um, but, as you're having that last thought, as you're dying, uh, that last thought, uh, I enjoy thinking that that last thought did exist in the universe, but no one heard it except you, and you died straight afterwards, you know, that very last thought you had? Oh, damn, I'm going to miss Essendon's flag this year. <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever your last thought is, you know. But whatever that last thought is, um, I dreamt the other morning that I was at a uh, dinner table with Donald Trump. You know, that, that was entirely in my dreams. Actually, well, um, so I, well, I was at near the end of a dinner table, and there was this prat, who wasn't me, um, at the end of the dinner table, and he was talking about Donald Trump, not saying terrible things, but, you know... Um, scoffing at him and all that sort of stuff and I was just looking over and then I looked over the other way and there was Donald Trump with this grin on his face because he's listening to every word and interestingly um, and I was actually interested in this myself, I was amused and yeah, I don't know what I would do in real life in that situation Um, I was amused because ah, (laughs) you're listening to this (laughs) and I I, kind of gave him a little smile, Donald Trump he was just sitting over there and I let the guy keep talking, and I can't remember any more than that. But what I was, uh, what I was, what I'm interested, I was interested in when I woke up after that one, um, was oh wow, well, you know that, that only occurred to me later. The oh, that's the president of the United States of America, you know. Surely you'd be a bit amazed to actually find him on the end of the table, but it seemed like the most normal thing in the world that I, that Donald Trump happened to be uh, just there, and there was a bit of camaraderie right there between me and Donald Trump, you know. Maybe it was a kind of Irish troublemaker sort of, um, <laughs> yeah, you <know>, the joke. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I just thought it was sort of funny. Yeah, but anyway, what I what I enjoy now that 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 dinner engagement I had that in my dream the other day did that actually exist in the universe? And I like to think it did. Well, it did because I just told you about it. Now, it didn't exist physically like a brick in the middle of the road that you could trip over um, but did it It still manifested itself it still um, existed you know it's still I'm able to tell you about it so it existed to that level you know it didn't exist physically Donald Trump you know Donald Trump doesn't know he was there but I know Donald Trump was there you know what I mean so it wasn't very useful to anyone else that dream um, you know Donald Trump wasn't at that dinner table. Uh, It was some sort of, um, uh, you know, a um, reception type arrangement, you know, tables everywhere and all that sort of stuff. But Donald Trump was there for me, but he wasn't there for anyone else. So this is a very personal thing that happened. And it did happen in my dream, you know, just like a memory. You know, there are things that happen in my memory, have happened that now exist in my memories, that don't exist in the universe now. They did have, They did exist in the past. Um, one, I was, well, here's one. I was flying an aeroplane solo, the, you know, for the very first time. Uh, when I was young, I learned to, you know, fly an aeroplane. And I, the very first, and I got a surprise, you know, that I was up to about, um, I can't remember, what, I can't remember whether it was 8 hours or 12 hours. It was really soon, you know, when I just started learning, and the trainer said, I think you're ready to go solo. And we we're actually on the dirt tarmac, you know. <laughs> um, it was in the country. And um, he said, I'm going to hop out here. And he actually just hopped out of the It was Cessna, you know. And he hopped out and he said, off you go, do a circuit, you know. And off I went. and um, So I was just concentrating and I took off and all that sort of stuff. But when I was up in the sky, I, you know, there was a moment then I went, and I started giggling, you know, like I loved it, I went, oh wow, I'm up here, you know, because you can actually just point the aeroplane down and go, and just kill yourself right there if you feel like it. it's really easy, and so I think, wow, I'm up in the sky all by myself, you know, it was a wonderful, wonderful little moment, and um, and even now as as I think about it, now, now the fact that I was up in the sky, my dad knew I was up there, because he was downstairs watching, and my trainer knew I was there, and nobody else, really, but, um, now, they knew I was up there, but they didn't know, um, um how I felt about being up there, you know, it's a ve- when you're in a little cabin up in the sky, you're a long way from anybody, that's really private up there, um, you're in a little bubble way up there, and I was up there, and I was giggling, you know, I just, I could, I, I could have picked my nose, you know, because it was just that private, you know, it was my own little moment, and I was sitting up there, and I was saying, oh, wow, this is amazing, you know, but I was giggling, you know, like a kid, like, oh, well, I was a kid, you yeah, know, I was only 16, um, now, that little moment I had there, not the fact that I was in, physically in the aeroplane, look, that I was, the fact that I was physically in the aeroplane was verifiable, a verifiable event, you know, shared by myself and the trainer and my father and all that sort of stuff, you know, so I was physically there, my physical body and all that sort of stuff. But my emotional reaction to being up there all by myself or my emotional reaction or, you know, my smart assy emotional reaction to Donald Trump being at the end of the table the other day and all that sort of stuff. And my emotional, uh, my feelings um, in w- with respect to any other memory in my past or in, uh, or your feelings as you listen to this with respect to anything that's happened in the past, you know. Those things, your feelings towards those things, your feelings did manifest themselves in the universe. They did exist as feelings. Now, I know they didn't exist as a brick, but they did exist as something else, not a brick. Now, we get a bit arrogant, you know. Uh, We play judge and jury. As humans and say the brick is more real than your impression of that brick you know because I might have an impression of a brick and I might be a little bit deranged and I might think it's a balloon but now look let's say I was that deranged right like there was something wrong with my head and I saw a brick as a balloon you know I looked at a brick and I thought and it looks like a balloon to me and I'm thinking and I even imagine it floating up in the sky you know a brick now the brick is, you know, verif- is real for everybody pretty much, you know. But um, for me personally, you know, ima- well, no, I don't even have to be deranged. I can imagine that brick floating up and that's what people do in movies. They make sh- there was a, a movie called House, was it? Where a house went up in the sky, you know, with balloons attached to it. I forget what that movie was. Um, Oh, you get, you know, you get all sorts of things, bed knobs and broomsticks, you know, you get a bed flying through the sky. So, you know, now, (laughs) these things are happening in our imaginations, you know, all sorts of things happen in our imaginations, and, um, and they are real. Look, a brick manifests itself in front of us um, via means that are magical anyway because the brick has its origins in the Big Bang, apparently, you know, something like that, you know, which gave rise to stardust in the end, you know, and all that sort of stuff, which then, you know, coalesced into planets and, you know, elements and all that sort of stuff, and all came together and suddenly you've got a brick there, you know. Um... So, uh, the physical structure of that brick is a kind of a magical thing in its own way. Now, it's got a different status than, um, you know, Donald Trump, that Donald Trump of my imagination in my dream the other night, you know, he didn't have a physical kind of... Form, although I thought he did have, you know, when I was in the dream. But, you know, he was there in my imagination. Um, what's more real? That Donald Trump that I was smiling at, and he smiled back at me, by the way, you know, that Donald Trump did exist in my imagination, and that brick does, um, does exist right over there. You know, now, as a, they both exist. You know, um, as manifesta, as manifestations, as as things that have produced themselves somewhat magically in the universe, you know. Um, now it's more it's more useful to more people to imagine that brick over there is real than it is for people to imagine that my Im- imagination impression of Donald Trump in my dream is real you know because it's much more practically useful for people to believe that brick is real than something i just made up in in my dreams you know imagined yeah but both i'm i'm not sure that we should have the arrogance to um say that that brick is more real than the other thing you know that donald trump before You know, that um, my dream of Donald Trump, not the real Donald Trump in America, you know, what we call the real Donald Trump in America, which Donald Trump is more real, you know, Um, you know, the Donald Trump that I met in my dream the other night or the Donald Trump that's in America, you know. I know which one I've, there's only one of those two that I've met, but anyway, that's a whole other story, Um, but, you know, do we have the right? We have the right to think anything we want. You have the right to be stupid, Charlie. Even you know when people say you've got the right to think any, you have the right to believe anything you want. You know, um, my wife's uncle says yes, and you've, you've got the right to prove yourself an absolute idiot too. You know, but um, but um, reality, when that person who was dying. That I am, that I considered before, because somewhere in the world right now there is someone dying who's lost control of all his. We'll say his um, physical, you know, ability to move his arms, legs, face, and all that sort of stuff. But he is having one final thought just before he dies, you know, and and let's say his last thought as he dies is, "My bum is itchy, and I can't damn well move my hand to scratch it." You know? Now imagine that's his last thought, just before he dies. Yeah, it's quite possible someone is thinking that somewhere in the world. I'm damned. Would someone scratch my ass. You know, someone in the world is thinking that quite possibly, but no one can hear him because he can't move. his... you know, and there's your tragedy. Um, but if someone's having that thought, did that thought exist in the universe? I think it did. Now I know that brick over there existed in the universe too. It exists still, actually, after that guy's died. it's not going to exist forever. So it'll it'll go poof at some stage. You know, when this when the sun has a supernova moment and destroys this planet and all that sort of stuff, and that brick will be vaporized. You know. Um. But the point, and, and just like my, uh, you know, that person I was thinking about who's got an itchy ass. You know, his, um that thought came. And went just like that brick will come and go. Um, but it happened. That thought happened in the universe. And why has that brick got a higher status as being real than has that final thought of that person with the uh with the itchy bum? You know. That thought is just as real as that brick, I think, you know. For some reason, reasons unknown. Reasons known only to God, you know, or the small white rock you believe in. doesn't really matter, or by chance. But for some reason, uh, the universe decided to allow bricks to exist and to allow thoughts to exist. They do exist. Now, I know one has physical structure and all that sort of stuff, but the other thing has some power as well. In fact, the other thing's got some power happening with it that the brick hasn't got. Um, you know, the other thing can have, be much more impressive in some ways, Yeah. so I think, um, you know, I, I enjoy the thought that in this universe there are things such as space and time, you know, and matter, and length and width and height, you know, and all that sort of stuff, the physical stuff, yeah. You know, but I, I, you know, um, what was that show? Milton, Milton, your brand new son. Do you remember that one? I'm Milton, your brand new son. Um, I can't even remember what that was. It was a cartoon, and um, some Doctor Frankenstein was making a monster. Yeah, <laughs> and he was pouring a bit of compassion in, and he was pouring a bit of, you know bravery in and all that sort of stuff. And he was making a monster, you know, like Frankenstein's monster. And um, someone, I think, bumped his arm and he put too much compassion into this monster and it became too friendly, which is a pain in the neck. And that was the premise of the whole cartoon. Um, Now, when Frankenstein was making that monster, which was called Milton, um, he was pouring, you know... All sorts of things into it now, I like to think that you know when the universe was being made, a whole lot of um, a whole lot of features were poured into it, um for example space, you know be, uh, whoever made this universe, you know whether it was a little white rock or god or you know the mind of a small child, and all those sorts of things or chance and whatever um or nothing you know. but whatever it was it was I liked I enjoy thinking that someone was saying how are we going to design this thing you know um and alright we need to pour a few things into it what does this universe need to make make a really interesting universe well space would be handy fair enough space you know and then that let's say it's God you know and God was thinking yeah but what's space without time you know Space without time doesn't even exist because space there's uh, oh it's gone you know <laughs> you can't have space without time because there's no space has got to stretch out through time for us to actually kind of appreciate it yeah in, in space time I read a book once uh, by um, by Stephen Hawking a brief what is it a brief history of time and he used to just call and I actually kind of got it. <laughs> When, he, when I was reading his book, oh, I get that, space has to unfold, yeah. You know? <laughs> like, I actually got it, you know, to, I think I did anyway, event horizons and all that sort of stuff, you know, like, after the Big Bang, let's say, if we imagine a Big Bang, um, you know, after one light year, you know, oh, sorry, after one year, um, light, or even the possibility of something having having got a light year away from the centre um, defines how much space there can be. You know, it's kind of the space is unfolding, you know, space is unfolding at the speed of light. Space and time are linked, don't worry about that. Anyway, when, um, space-time is all one thing sort of thing, you know, um, but whoever was making this universe, you know, they were pouring some features in, and I like to think, and and we like, and it's not, we don't have the right to say some of those things that were poured into the universe are real, you know, We and we tend to do that, you know. Um, we tend to say anything that's got space, time, matter, energy, those things are real, we say, you know, because we kind of, we can get 10 people in a room and they can all agree that um, that, you know, if you drop a tennis ball that it falls to the ground and starts bouncing, you know. And everybody in the room says, yep, I all, we all saw that, you know, and there's kind of an agreement. So we say, all right, we'll call that real because there's a bit of a consensus going on with it. You know, and someone said, I just had a dream that um, I just imagined a golf ball doing that. And everyone else in the room says, I can't trust that because only you had that imagination. You know, we can't actually, we don't, we can't verify that, you know. And and you can say I promise I did just imagine that, um, all you like. But we can't verify that. And then, um, and he says, "Well, yes, you can because you just, I couldn't have even spoken it had I not." <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Um, when things were being poured into this universe, I don't care by via what mechanism. I don't kind of enjoy wasting my time trying to um take bets on, you know, whether it was God or chance or something. Yeah, you know, it's a kind of a waste of my time to try and say, Oh, it was definitely God, you know. Yeah, you know, so who cares? If I can't, if I can't know, I don't want to I don't even care. It's a kind of hypothetical, I'll waste my time. It's like something did. Does I don't care what did, you know. But um um it was by some be- some means magical to me, you know. That's all that's enough for me. I don't need to know more, you know. What? Why? Waste time. Well, I know why people waste time doing it. You know, people have got all sorts of different reasons for wanting to decide what via what magical means. You know, the Big Bang happened and all that sort of thing. You know, there can be something in it for them for a start. You know, for themselves personally. You know, maybe it puts away the panic. Um, or you know, maybe it's a power trip of some sort. You know, maybe it can be useful. You know, if you put it about that, you know, God told you <laughs> that He made the universe. But let's just put all that aside. Um, let's just call it God, you know. It doesn't have to be the God that you're thinking of. Um, right. God's pouring all these things in, like, you know, Dr. Frankenstein pouring features into this uh, uh, monster that He's making, Milton, your brand new son. And he pours in right, one of the features of this universe I'm going to make is going to be space time, you know, a concept of time passing and a concept a concept of space. You know, and that concept of space and that concept of time, you know, like it's hardly worth even having that stuff unless I pour into that universe. Something that can appreciate that space and time i 'm going to pour into this universe um chemicals that will one day come up coalesce and become um thinking things that you know can actually think about this space and time, and that'll give me more pleasure you know maybe maybe God was looking for pleasure when he was making humans, you know, but the point is. Okay, now if I make this thing able to appreciate, you know, these living things, and this is animals as well, space and time, such that a cat can leap onto a tree and eat a sparrow and all that sort of stuff, you know, so they can make an appreciation of how much space there is between myself and that sparrow as I'm a cat. And if I leap, I know how far I can leap. I'm I'm combining all these things of, you know, these ideas I've got in my head as a cat, or space and time, leap and yum, bang eat that sparrow, you know, but, uh, you know, and, and, but then I'll make other, um, animals that, you know, I'll, I'll pour more features into this thing, such that some of these animals, or maybe all of them even, are able to imagine things, you know, like, I can have a cat dreaming of that sparrow that night, how do we know that cats don't do that, well, they quite possibly do, that's quite you know have you ever had a cat smile in the middle of the night (laughs) as he just imagines that beautiful crunch (laughs) that crunching sound of you know just the bird's body you know Uh, what's the last thing that went through that sparrow's head you know 10 (laughs) 9 8 anyway um but this is what i'm getting at um If God, it doesn't have to be God, you know, um, poured space and time and energy and matter into this universe. And I enjoy thinking that he did, you know, don't get hung up by the fact that I said he, this is not a, you know, and I'm not an activist. I don't care, you know, all right. I like to think that he didn't stop there. He poured some other things in there, like, you know, feelings, love and imagination, dreams and all that sort of stuff, memories and all that sort of thing. And all these things, you know, now he poured in... Now, you can have combinations of these things, you know, because a lot of these things exist only for a moment in time because, remember, he poured things... He poured time as one feature in, so you can mix, you know, like if, if it was actually a cake mixture of space, time, matter, energy, memories and all that sort of stuff, your memory, you know, like your memories or a dream, the dream I had of Donald Trump that time went for a certain finite amount of time. You know, I actually did sort of look over there and, you know, he looked at me and we kind of smiled and then I looked at this other guy. Like it wasn't for a zero amount of time that I was dreaming about Donald Trump there. It was for the whole amount of time that I was looking at him and engaging with him. He existed for a finite amount of time. So you get these mixtures, you know, like when you get something that most people agree is a physical thing, sort of, you know, like time, right? Okay, everyone agrees time exists. But what if I mix time with a dream? Because dreams do, I think go for a finite amount of time, they do, you could measure that, because I think people's brains light up, while they're having dreams, like they're having a horror dream, and I think certain parts of their brains would light up, you know, for their, and it's for a finite period of time, you know, so, how can you mix something that doesn't exist, with something that does exist, I, I, I sort of say you can't, unless both things exist. You know, because a dream does last for a certain amount of time. So what you're doing there is mentioning, uh, mixing something that you kind of think doesn't exist. Dreams aren't real. yeah. You know? So you're mixing something that's not real. And yet that thing that's not real actually managed to exist for a certain period of time. How can something that's not real exist, get carried along by something that's real? And by that I'm in mean time. So all dreams, I think it's arguable, exist for finite periods of time. You can't have a dream that exists for zero amount of time, because then it doesn't exist. The dream doesn't exist if it exists for zero amount of time. Now, I'm going to finish off here because I've got to get in, but see, this is the sort of stuff I really enjoy talking about. I just enjoy it. I'm not trying to, you know, start a new religion here or a new philosophy. Well, this is very old philosophy you know i'm i'm just parroting ideas that people have had for centuries you know um and and i've read about them so now i'm able to think about those things and enjoy them myself you know um but um yeah i like to think uh, that every everything that manifests itself you know either physically or not is real in the universe each of the things that happened in um, our existences as it were are real well I enjoy thinking of them as real even if um, even if they are pla- even even if they are an illusion they're a real illusion a real illusion see <laughs> if it's all an illusion it's still a real illusion um, I think the guy that came after Descartes argued that the philosopher one of the ones who came after him the Scottish one I can't remember their names Um, still a real illusion. Oh no, that was Descartes that came up with that one, yeah. Now, uh, it was the guy that, the Scottish guy, who's very famous, who came up with saying, oh, hang on, I think therefore I am, but while I'm thinking that's for a finite amount of time, he's the one that sort of unravelled Descartes. Who Descartes said all everything around us we can't prove it exists, and this guy said you can prove time exists because when you said you think therefore you are, you were thinking the act of thinking that took a finite amount of time that brings time into existence. Now, if time exists, then space has to exist. That's a fantastic line of argument that philosopher unravelled Descartes, and a lot of people thought Descartes couldn't be unravelled, and he unravelled him. That was a brilliant. I love that one. You know, well, I loved it because I kind of got it. (laughs) Um, But, look, I'll finish off by saying that, you know, when I was lying in bed a while ago, uh, having, you know, imagination time, and I was thinking of a few memories I've had. Those memories existed. And to to a certain extent that they existed at one point in time, And, and, well, the memory exists now, but, you know, a thought that I have now, it did exist once in the universe, but if time is just a component feature of the universe, and, you know, and something like a god, or us in heaven, or whatever later, can look at things independent of even one, one feature or another, let's say we're just, oh, let's take time out of the equation, and just look at everything without time being a factor, you know, and suddenly... Everything in all times suddenly coexists, then that thought that I had the other morning in my imagination time, or that bloke with the itchy arse, you know, just before he died, that thought he had, it's still sitting there, you know, even though it was so transient, it did exist for a finite period of time, only about four seconds just before he died, but that thought. Did happen in the universe, and you know, if 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 after we die, we can look at the universe without and and take time out of the equation, which a lot of people think, you know, if there is heaven, maybe we can, then you'll be looking at that thought. You know, say, oh, look at that thought. Oh, hey, Jack, you had an itchy ass just before you died. He said, yeah, I know, and you know what? It's still itchy because you know, um, how you're feeling when you die. That's how you are forever, and that's my hell. <laughs> i will still got an itchy ass to this day. Uh, now you have it because there's no such thing as time anymore, is there? Oh, yeah. Oh, very confusing. <laughs> I don't know what that episode was about, but I enjoyed it. That's all I know. All right. Oh, 56 minutes, I spoke for. 56 minutes. I wonder if I can say anything else just to round this out in an hour. Um, probably not. Um what is real, love is real, you know. Um, Well, I've really, I could have said this episode in five minutes and I said it in an hour, but, yeah, that's all I can say. I enjoyed all that. Look, I'll finish with a thought. Yes, I've got a thought to finish off with. In that context, you know, if all these things that exist in the universe, dreams, memories bad experiences, good experiences, your impression of something, even if that's not real, Um, the lies you tell and then believe, and the myths you make up. Actually, remember I said that brick exists more than something that I dreamed? Well, you can actually make things you dream um, more real, if you can convince everyone else of those things, than that brick you know, and that's uh, mythologies, you know, throughout history. You know, Zeus was very real, you know, for a lot of people. But he was imagined. A Joan of Arc had a dream. I had a dream. You know, Joan of Arc had a dream. And, um, you know, all my life I have sort of think, ah, oh, she just made that up. You can't call that real. But to a certain extent it was real. And you know what? Sometimes um the dreams that people have uh, are more powerful the myths we believe can be more are more real for people quite often than things that are you know what i would call real like a brick yeah um and there's plenty of evidence for that yeah Like I know a lot of people, I've been studying Ethiopia and a lot of people, you know, someone dreamed up this idea of Solomon, someone called Solomon marrying someone called Sheba, you know, and that person having a, and those two people having a baby and that baby was the first emperor of Ethiopia. Now that's all clearly, you know, pretty clearly myth made up, but it's actually real in the minds of a lot of people. More real, it's just fact. It's just straight fact. I don't think we should um, disrespect dreams and so on and myths and made-up stuff as having a lower status than a physical brick, all in all, you know, because both of those things are manifestations of the universe. Somehow they've made their way, they've each made their way into the universe by magical beings and who are we to say that the brick is more real than the myth 59 minutes and 48 seconds i can't make this go all the way 55 56 57 58 (laughs)